so confession we're talking about this morning and I don't know about you I don't know what what, um, what kind of comes to mind when you hear that word you know maybe it's someone under interrogation owning up to a dreadful crime or someone disclosing a secret that has been hidden uh, the word carries lots of different um feelings it provokes different feelings in us it carries different images um, but we're going to look at it a little bit this morning as a spiritual practice and by that I mean something that we can practice something that will shape us and open us up to the work that God wants to do in us so Helen has told the story of the prodigal son it's this story that Jesus told and it's a story that shows us what kind of person we come to when we come to God and say we're in a mess and Jesus says when you see the father in this story this is what God is like uh, this is his heart towards us when we turn to him it's his heart towards anyone who turns to him he's always waiting for us his arms wide open love pouring out kind of this utter total acceptance and this extravagant love it's like him saying I know all your mess um, I know all your mistakes. I know all your poor choices. Um, I know what's distracted you, all those things. Uh, but come, uh, come and rest. Come and be with me. You're home now. That's the story of the prodigal son. So, and this is the person that we come to. This is the God that we come to every single time that we confess. Uh, and so if you remember nothing else from this morning, remember this picture of God, that he is always ready and waiting to embrace us when we come to him. So why confess? Uh, first of all, because we are sinful. Uh, you know, sin gets in the way of our relationship with God, how we connect with him and how we connect with other people, too. Um, and the question I guess I ask myself and others is, do we actually think that we're sinful? Now, there's this lovely book that I'm reading um, on and off at the moment. It's called Gentle and Lowly. And the author says this, all of our life is tainted with sin. If sin were the colour blue, we don't occasionally say or do something blue. All that we say, do and think has some taint of blue. Now, I think for many of us, um, you know, we can merrily go along thinking that, you know, we're not too bad, but we're blue all the way through, not just a bit blue. Um, if you cut us open, we're blue inside. And sometimes our habitual disobedience, the things that we just ordinarily do, are so a part of us that we don't even see our sin. We don't even see the stuff that gets in the way of us connecting with God and with other people. You know, in the choices that we make, in just our behavior patterns that we choose and do automatically, the excuses that we say to ourselves without even realizing it, you know, we say, you know, it's just the way I am, you know, I fly off the handle at this or, you know, I withdraw from people because of this. It's just me. That's kind of what we say. But actually being a follower of Jesus is this radically transformative process. We're invited uh, into this process of being changed if we choose to step into it. And Jesus says, you know, he will be with us with that and he can do deep stuff in our hearts. And, you know, if we believe in Jesus, if we believe that we've been saved, then our sins are not counted against us. We have been made right with God. We don't have to carry the weight of that sin, of our sin. And all that is absolutely true. But first of all, we have to know that we are sinners and that we continue to be sinners and that it's only God's 
heart of love towards us, only his gift of grace and him constantly coming alongside us in our mess that then gets us out of that mess. We have to know that we're blue all the way through because only then can we be staggered by how extravagant God's response is to us. Uh, and in, there's a lady called Elise Fitzpatrick, and she says these words, which I love. She says, I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe, more loved and welcomed than I ever dared hope. And that is that captures the story of the prodigal son. You know, if you don't know Jesus this morning and you would like to, we would love to introduce him to you. He is waiting for you with his arms wide open. You know, if you've suddenly had this revelation or this growing understanding that you are blue all the way through and you want to turn to Jesus for help, to turn to him in your mess. You know, we can do that together this morning and we'd love to pray with you at the end of this talk. Uh, in the Psalms, um, in Psalm 139, verse 23, the writer says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So confession is about us sitting with Jesus and taking a good long look at ourselves with him, at our words, our thoughts, our actions, you know, looking at the big picture, as well as the small every day and coming to him and saying, God, would you forgive me? Would you have your way? It's like a bowing low before him. It's a pouring out of our hearts. It's an unveiling of the deepest parts of ourselves. It's stopping the charade. It's a breaking through the veneer. It's a no longer making excuses for that. You know, that's just the way I am. It's an allowing God to tend to our wounds and break through the power of shame. It's a responding to his quiet prompting. It's trusting him and an opening up when he says, you know, let's have a look at this together. It's a coming back to him. It's a saying, daddy, I'm home. It's a moment by moment choosing a different way. It's, it's choosing his way, it's worship. It's saying, you are my God. It's transformational, it's healing, it's life-giving, it's freeing and it's hope restoring. It's emotional soul, deep soul work, and it's also intensely practical. And it's based in the nitty gritty of, of everyday relationships and how we show up in the world. So how do we confess? Just quickly, we're gonna look at two verses from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, literally just verse one and two. And I'm just gonna pull out a few phrases from there because I think that helps us to think about how we go about confessing. And this is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So just pulling out a few phrases from that, Firstly, it says, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, uh, you know, the writers of Hebrew is talking about all the heroes of the faith that have gone before. But it also says to us about this practice of confessing in community, like with each other, with other people. So we tell people we trust our stuff, the stuff that we don't want people to know. 
not tell everybody, but tell trusted people. Yes, and that sounds scary uh, because we're very, we're all very good at hiding the stuff that we don't want people to see. We all try to inherently hide our shame. But what we need to remember is we're all blue all the way through. And when we connect with others and bring our stuff out into the open, when, it, when we expose our shame, when we ask people what the impact of our sin is on them, the impact of our behaviour, when we regularly practice confession, shame that seeks to isolate us from God and from other people is then kind of outed, if you like, and there's an opportunity instead for connection instead of being alone. So bringing things out into the light, into the open, with other people breaks the power of shame um, and I have been practicing this um, sometimes I feel that sense of oh this is the last I really don't want this person to know this but actually I'm going to tell them this because this is actually what's really going on for me and as I speak it out and I entrust it to them and they listen and they pray and they they just come alongside uh, it's a good thing it breaks the power of that shame and it also kind of resonates with them too, because, you know, it's like us, I'm saying I'm blue and then saying, yep, yeah, me too. Uh, so, and actually something, um, you know, something actually happens physiologically, like in our brains uh, when we do it too. Um, actually something happens to our thinking patterns. It's, it's a physical thing that actually happens that changes that thing of being isolated to start to being connected. So, as on the back of that, I'd encourage you to, to develop, to, to kind of nurture trusted friendships uh, where you can say to people how you really are, what's really, really going on for you. Um, you know, do it in small group, do it with, you know, just two or three friends or one close friend. You know, when we're in church together and we have uh, a time of prayer at the end or ministry, you know, don't hide stuff away. You know, say it. Let's do our business with God. It's since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's all of us, uh, all of everyone in community. Let's confess. Okay, and then just pull out another phrase. It talks about throwing off um, everything that hinders. Uh, and Walter Wongren um, in one of his books says this, know yourself so deeply and well that knowledge becomes confession. It goes back to that thing in the Psalm. 139 that we read a little bit earlier and the thing about the words throw off is that it's like an instruction it's active it's like do this you know it's not going to happen if we don't do it it says it's like rid yourselves of it get it off you pour it out make that choice to kind of get rid of that weight um and I, I kind of had a picture in my mind's eye of you know if you're having real carrying really really heavy shopping and the bags are like cutting into your fingers and you're having to kind of walk them home and then you finally get home and you put the bags down you put the weight down and there's that sense of physical relief in your hands and your body where your body you know your back's been aching as you've been carrying something really heavy confession is that putting that stuff down um and it it yeah, it, it feels different, but there's this kind of sense of urgency about throwing it off, put it down. And one of the things we can do is just examine our days, you know, as we're going along and at the end of the day, you know, like, um, you know, Lord, when I said that, that was really ugly. Or when I thought that, that was ugly. Um, and, I, you know, when I said that or, or when I withdrew in that conversation, that's not how I really wanted to show up. Um, 
would you would you forgive me so that practice of examining our day um, sometimes it's called examine okay but it's just that opportunity to confess that whole thing of when we recognize the impact of our sin on other people you know if, if confessing just saying sorry just stays in our mouths and it doesn't work into our bodies and our actions then it's not going to be long lasting we have to practice the outworking of it with our muscles um, it kind of creates muscle memory okay pull out Another phrase, let's run with perseverance. So perseverance, we have to practice this practice of confession. We have to keep going. It's an ongoing thing. It happens in the everyday, in our in the moment thinking and feeling. It happens with that internal push and pull of doing what we want and what we've always done and what we're inclined to do instead of choosing what might be God's way instead. Confession happens in the mess. It happens when we get it wrong, when we're stubborn, when we're selfish, when we're scared, when we put ourselves before others. But let's keep on practicing this. Let's persevere. And how do we do this? We fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the other phrase to pull out. We fix our eyes on him and the work of the cross. You know, as he breathed his final breath on the cross, he said, it's finished. The work that he was doing on the cross was finishing this battle between death and life. It was taking the weight of our sin and shame upon himself. That's what Jesus was doing so that we don't have to bear it, so that we don't have to be separated from God or other people. Jesus is the one who makes this possible. And if we follow him, he is the one who is with us in every interaction, in every relationship and every circumstance. So we fix our eyes on him. We spend time with Jesus. We read the Bible. We hear the truth of God's word resonate deeply within us. We worship. We turn our attention to him and we give him time and space to speak to us and inhabit us by his spirit. And then finally, the last little phrase is about scorning its shame. That's what Jesus said in this passage. Uh, that's what he's talking about in this passage in Hebrews. Um, but, you know, what would you never want anyone to find out about you? There's a question. What would you want, never want anyone to find out about you? And even as I say that, that feeling that you have in your body, the way that your mind is scrambling to kind of push that away, that is shame right there. And Jesus says, I know that thing. I know that thing that you don't want anyone else to know about you. That's what I died for. And I love you uh, because there's this shame narrative that runs through all our stories. Um, but when we know Jesus, there's also this different narrative that is ours, that Jesus on the cross scorned shame. He took the weight of it all. He took the stench of all our mess so that we don't have to stay stinking in it. So we practice fixing our eyes on Jesus and what he says about us not what our shame voices might say. We practice listening to his voice and what he says about us rather than what we automatically might think. And we speak out our shame to others to bring it into the open. And in so doing, that very speaking it out starts to break its hold over us. So just, you know, have a look this week. Have a look at those two verses in Hebrews, uh, just that verse one, two. And just, you know, just kind of mull over those phrases. So as we finish, let's come back to the prodigal son picture. And Kurt Thompson says this, we're in Lent at the moment, are we? That kind of run up to Easter as we're kind of thinking about Jesus going to the cross. 
And Kurt Thompson says, Lent is often seen as a time for penance and repentance, which it is. But mostly what I'm repenting of is my resistance, my defence against being loved by God. You know, there is no place for shame when the son returns to the father. You know, the father kind of just cuts, cuts that whole conversation off. The father can't celebrate with him quickly enough. And as we turn to him, as we confess, we are met time and time again with God's unfathomable love. Confessing is choosing to turn towards that love rather than away from it. And we're just going to stop there. Um, I've been talking a while and we're just going to pray. All right. We're just going to see what God might want to do. Um, yeah, hopefully he's just been speaking to some of us. So. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you just come now? Thank you that you've been with us in our homes while we're listening, while we've been worshipping, while we've been chatting. And Holy Spirit, would you just come and just stir in our hearts? We're listening to you now, God. And just let, um, you know, just let, imagine yourself as that kind of walking um, up to the father who is waiting with his arms outstretched for you. This is the God that we come to. He's like, I know, I know, I know. And he just embraces us. I was just thinking, I know it's not the same, but I just had a picture in my mind's eye, you know, we can't get at the moment that the pictures are everywhere of what's going on in Ukraine at the moment, and rightly so. But, you know, two and a half million refugees are moving and have been moving. And you see those pictures of some of those people, um, families who, who then get to a safe place and they kind of put their bag down or they sit on their suitcase um, or they're welcomed into the house of a stranger and there's that that sense of calm and rest now you've been doing that journey you've done that that walk uh, and now you're safe and I and I and in some ways there's something of that that echoes with the prodigal son story of when we confess it's like the response that we met with is you're safe this is home So God, we come to you, we come to you with all our stuff. Thank you that you always welcome us. <laughs> 